Welcome to the FIFA Living Football Podcast. On today's show, we speak to FIFA World Cup winner and CEO of the FIFA Foundation, Yuri Jorkaev, about his work in Armenia. For the FIFA Foundation, you are all captain. Okay. Let's go to play. We talk to Global Football Ambassador Isha Johansson and get the thoughts of FIFA President Gianni Infantino. We react to the FIFA Futsal World Cup draw ahead of September's exciting tournament in Lithuania. Plus, my special guest this week is a trailblazer in the women's game. Hello from me, Reshmin Chowdhury. Throughout this podcast, we'll be taking you behind the scenes at FIFA, sharing extraordinary stories, journeys and interviews. My special guest today is a leading figure in women's football in Africa and a pioneer in the development of the women's game, having set up the Gals and Goals Development Programme for the Namibian Football Association. A very warm welcome to Jacqueline Goetze. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. And you're currently in Namibia at the moment where you can tell us that you're winter is actually our summer so here we are in London excited about having the sun out and um, you always have it <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course we, we always have that and um, sometimes uh, when you have visitors from that side and you tell them it's winter you need to bring your warm clothes but they actually only need it in the middle of the night here <laughs> oh gosh well okay well we're enjoying it while we can and we're going to start with you Jackie I'm going to you know I want you to take me right back to the beginning you were you know a 90s kid growing up in the growing up in the 1990s what kind of opportunities to play football did you and other girls in Namibia have yeah exactly if, if you refer to that time uh, to be honest with you very little opportunities actually none uh, because uh, during that time uh, Namibia Football Association did not have any structures for women's football. Uh, so, of course, just like many other girls uh, all over the world, uh, the story is very much the same, where you had to join some boys' teams, uh, mostly starts of family. Uh, and uh, that's, that's how I tried to play football that time. But it was a natural thing. It was part of me. Uh, so I actually joined any team uh, of boys that are playing. And uh, the opportunities are very, very, very in this part of the world. And, uh, of course, it has changed a lot now. Did you find it difficult to encourage girls from more isolated communities in Namibia, maybe from a village, to actually think about football as an option for them? Yeah, that was actually, that. your, your question is so point on it. That was actually our starting point to know that why is it difficult for girls in some areas of the country to, to think it's okay if, if they want to play? Why is it more easier for the girls in the city? Uh, so it had all to do with, with information reaching out you know, finding more information going to those girls and then, of course, creating that opportunities for them. So when we sit down and write a program called Girls and Goals, uh, it, we were looking at how they could, like just like us, going to school, going to university so that they can have also better impact on what they say and what they want to do. So not many girls come through that pathway, but they, we could create some mm. program where they can play where they are, you know, but then still having the bigger vision of where they are going. That's how Girls and Girls actually established. Yeah, it was in 2006, wasn't it, that you created Girls and Girls in partnership with UNICEF? 2006, we started working already with FIFA on what, what is it FIFA has in place for women's football. That was a springboard. Fantastic. And it was aimed at girls aged 10 to 15, is that right? And now, if I'm not wrong, is it you operate in 14 towns in 10 regions yeah. of the country we, and you've managed to reach 25,000 girls? Yeah, we, we, as we speak, except from last year, where COVID had to stop the youth program, 
we we were already looking at this year reducing the last regions that are still left to political regions then we would have reached 30,000 adolescent girls that's excluding your senior league players these are now the young yeah. girls yeah and, and and remember in 2009 when we for the first time after 2006 FIFA programs that were looking at you know there was not much really for us to encourage the girls work, but there was some idea that the young girls must play football. Uh, and in 2009, 115 young girls in a pilot program turned up for under 15 in this program. Oh, it's, it's an incredible initiative, absolutely. Jackie, we're going to get more from you shortly, but from one leading female figure in African football to another now, as we hear from Isha Johansson, the founder of the Sierra Leone Premier League Club FC Johansson. Now, Johansson has been the president of the Sierra Leone Football Association since 2013, but she chose not to stand at the recent SLFA elective Congress, so she was replaced in early June by Thomas Daddy Bremer. Now, Living Football's TV host Jessica Liberts caught up with Johansson and she began by asking her what it feels like to have recently become a member of the FIFA Council. Well, for me personally, it's of utmost pride. But I've always said that with everything that I, I do, and particularly my, my journey in, in football, my career journey, it's always been about um, our women folk, and particularly women uh, from my continent. Um, so the pride, the accolades, the wins, or the winning... Um, um, it's all about them. I do it for them. And uh, we, we all join in celebrating together. We, we both know football is still a male-dominated field. So where does your great enthusiasm and love for this sport come from? Uh, from a very early age, um, as young as five, I, I remember my father taking me to uh, watch football matches uh, uh, at the stadium. My, my father, and he's still alive, is 87. Um, was a, a co-founder and he was a chairman of um, the biggest, still the biggest club in Sierra Leone called the Eastern Lions Football Club. Big following, very noisy club and um, a really established and um, a great club in Sierra Leone. And as chairman, I, um, uh, uh, they would always come to the house. So that ambience and, you know, the passion, um, the highs and lows of winning, losing, preparations... Um, coming to think about it now, it was instilled in me. It was almost like in my DNA. Football was uh, the food and the life and soul of our home. But what drove you also to become successfully involved in it professionally as well? The football story started in 2001, just after um, the brutal civil war that I'm sure you, you all have heard about in, in Sierra Leone. And it was just a case of um, kids in the neighborhood. And, you know, it's not just Sierra Leone. Most third world countries and most countries, you see all these kids scattered all over neighborhoods. They're playing football. You know, I'd see them from maybe about eight in the morning till late at night, just playing football on the streets. And um, it became very clear to me um, that these kids were either, you know, homeless or they had no parental control or care. And they would just say in the street. So, you know, after a while, I, I approached them, or maybe it was their manager, who was probably not more than 15 or 16, who approached me and um, said that they needed uh, boots, or they, no, they needed a ball. Um, yes, so this was like 2001, 2002. And that, for me, was the, the opportunity I could get to say, well, maybe I can strike a deal with these kids or get to know a little bit more about them. And I, I was right. 
Um, a lot of them were displaced, some were orphaned. And um, so to cut a long story short, I, I said, look, you know, I will get you a ball. I'll even get you more than a ball. I'll get you boots, but um, you guys have got to go back to school. It ended um, with FC Johansson from um, putting these kids together, putting the well, second division, first division, Premier League club, going to being invited to Real Madrid to play the youth side, the Mayors Cup in the States, the Gothia Youth Incredible. World Cup. We just toured the world and, um, and now it's a Premier League club. And, uh, you know, with kids um, going to for trials in Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, meeting the likes of David Beckham, Zidane. It was just, um, it was a, a true story of a field for dreams or the field of dreams and giving young children um, the hope and the belief that you can not only dream, but if you chase that dream, you can actually realise that dream. And, um, and that's what football does. You are a female leader in international football. What are the special challenges still for women who are looking for a career in football? Well, it's simple. Um, society is not really that ready for women in governance or leadership in football and I, I think in most male-dominated uh, arenas. So we have to change this? Of course we have to change it. Um, it's going to take a while, but the, the, the most important thing is that it's started. Uh, change has started. And not only has the change started, there are success stories uh, to these changes. Um, some challenges are more painful than others. But um, again, we're breaking these barriers. And, and I hate to sound like a victim because I'm not a victim. I never have been. I'm a survivor. You know, we're, we're, we're breaking these barriers and um, we're, we're inspiring in, in which way do you feel the support also from FIFA president Gianni Infantino? He's just incredible. Honestly, he's... Um, I, 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 I was saying earlier that I, I just don't know where he gets uh, his patience from. Um, you know, a, a couple of times when, you know, I've felt really, really down and he'd be so patient and uh, he'd sit down and he can sit down and just li listen to you rattle on and on. And I'm a woman and I don't have patience to hear another woman <laughs> or anybody rattle on. I just want to get on with it, get on with the job. What's the problem? How do we solve this problem? And we move on. But he's incredibly patient. And um, he's also exhibited that women have a place in this industry. The, the FIFA that we see today is an incredibly new FIFA in terms of so many things, you know, transparency, compliance, all of the growth. But when it comes to women, if we're talking now about women in leadership, um, now more than any other time is a time that you show that we have a leader who encourages that. He believes in women taking up leadership roles. He believes in uh, growing our game. What kind of, of legacy would you, would you leave behind? I'd like to be remembered as um, a woman who dared to dream and not only to dream but to chase that dream um, a woman that didn't take no for an answer a woman who refused to be boxed into a space um, a woman who has proven that we really can do anything when I say anything I mean anything we can be anywhere we can be whatever.
we dream to be. Um, I, I, I think that um, this doesn't just go for other women, I think for our youth. You see, at the end of the day, Jessica, we do what we do because we need to encourage the others coming. There comes a time we've got to stop. We stop work, our children and then their children. And they look up to us. They look up to the next big thing. Our f- young footballers, they look up to the Ronaldos and the, the Ronaldos looked up to the big Ronaldos. The big Ronaldos looked up to the Pelés or what have you. You know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where we owe that to our children. It is an absolute must. So I would like to, to believe that I've done that for my child, uh, his friends, to the youth of Sierra Leone, to the girls of Sierra Leone, to the women of Sierra Leone, Africa. The former president of the Sierra Leone Football Association, Isha Johansson there. I'm still with uh, Jackie Goetzer, who's obviously a leading figure in Namibian football. I feel there are so many parallels between you both in terms of, I mean, you heard the passion there from Isha. We've heard it from you as well to sort of develop, uh, you know, women's football and for women to have a role in football as well. I believe you've worked together as well. Is that right? On the, the Women's Football Committee at CAF? Yes, of course. Uh, soon my president at the Women's Committee and uh, first of all, so very good opportunity. We have not really met after she has moved up to FIFA level. Uh, congratulations, Isha. Uh, I'm really, really proud of you. And uh, of course, the in- impact of COVID-19 and a lot of competitions has been halted for now, and that's a global thing. Uh, but uh, that that breakthrough to enable the African woman to have more competitions. And, 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 and it's not only a recommendation anymore. It's approved. We are... Um, rolling out and just praying for COVID to, to, be, to be nice to us uh, so that the girls can come back and really enjoy these competitions. Yeah, yeah she really did. And she also spoke um, really of that unwavering support from the FIFA president Gianni Infantino in terms of his sort of backing of women in football, but also women's football as well. And he's, in fact, been giving his thoughts on Ishii Hansen as well. Yes, I've been indeed uh, uh, only a few weeks ago in, uh, in Sierra Leone for a short visit, but I know Aisha for many, many years, and uh, she has done uh, an exceptional work in, uh, in Sierra Leone. It's not easy to lead uh, a football federation. It's not easy to lead a football federation uh, in Africa, in a region which was uh, going through very difficult times. Uh, including uh, conflicts and serious conflicts. Aisha will uh, definitely play a key role as a FIFA council member in uh, being a FIFA ambassador in the world uh, and also uh, an ambassador for Sierra Leone uh, in uh, uh, FIFA and for FIFA in, uh, in Sierra Leone. Gianni Infantino, they're talking about, you know, the, the important work that um, Isha Johansson has been able to do in a country like, you know, a war-torn country with so much turmoil in Sierra Leone. And, um, you know, in terms of for FIFA, keeping the game professional, women's football, making it professional is a real key area for FIFA. How important is it to you or for you to ensure that women's football clubs and leagues continue to to keep going in that same manner to stay professional as you know we see with the men's game off the pitch as well as on it you know the it's actually encouraging to to, to, to hear you saying how, how important it is uh, how important you are asking the question that's that's the main thing 
to understand the reasons why why women football plays an important role. Uh, you know, it's not only for football. It's it's it shows you how big football is. What what big influence is it has on society. And 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 uh, if you really look, I every time refer you from the beginning to the FIFA strategic plan. It, it really speaks to very important elements and important things that needs to be in place. It's a fantastic initiative and it seems like it's all going on the right path. Still to come, we'll be heading to Armenia and hearing from a FIFA World Cup winner. I'm Xavi, this is the Living Football Podcast. Time to head to Western Asia now and the Armenian capital of Yerevan, where a brand new global initiative, the FIFA Foundation Campus Programme, has recently been launched. Rob Daly can tell us more. Football's power to guide and inspire is unquestionable. Case in point, one very special week in the Armenian capital of Yerevan this May and the launch of the FIFA Foundation Campus Programme welcoming some of society's most underprivileged boys and girls to the Football Federation of Armenia's Technical Centre was FIFA Foundation CEO Yuri Jorkaev. Everything that we're doing here is together. You receive a band for the captain. Because for the FIFA Foundation, you are all captain. Okay. With that rallying call, a new global initiative was launched. Its mission, to provide safe access to football and education to those who are often denied such opportunity. On the pitch, the attendees benefited not only from the guidance of World Cup winner Djorkaev, but of course in fair play from FIFA's director of refereeing, Massimo Busaka. It's important to participate, it's important to win, but you, we don't have to forget that respect is the most important. And this is what we have to really teach the children. Believe in what you are doing, make the sacrifice, respect, and then uh, you will uh, arrive for sure on the target. Across the seven days, 100 boys and girls from orphanages, displaced families and national minorities were immersed in the values that underpin the beautiful game, while also receiving vital health checks, thanks to collaboration with the Armenian Ministry of Health. For Armenian goalkeeper David Yachenko, the camp presented a message of hope to the youngsters. We want children to have happiness. Everything that has been created here is support for them, in order to show them there is another side of life, where joy, positivity, harmony and love reign. We want them to have happiness in their hearts, to fill them with as much love as possible. Leading educational development were experts from United Nations agencies, including UNICEF. Jean Bisharp is the UN's resident coordinator in Armenia. FIFA Foundation brings together, I think, two really important points that, that support the sustainable development goals. And that is, one, the role of sport in achieving the goals, and, and the other is the role of um, supporting the youth, who are both, of course, our future, but also uh, the providing solutions for, for the challenges that, that we face today. The campus's conclusion symbolised such a future, with the children planting trees in a national forest and receiving one last important message from Yuri Jorkaev. You remember the first day I told you that you are all captain at the campus. And today you will be the captain when you turn back to your place, to your home, to take care of the tree because tree is life. And new, new generation need to take care of the life. 
The first FIFA Foundation campus provided a template to be replicated across the world and a positive impact on the lives of those who deserve it most. A really great initiative and another example of how football helps improve the lives of young people around the world. We can now actually hear from the man central to this initiative in Armenia and the CEO of the FIFA Foundation as well, Yuri Jorkaev. Jessica Liberts began by asking the former French international about the main purpose of this project. We have just finished the trial of the campus, the foundation. We had this idea of creating an environment that was safe, where young people could express themselves. So we have a chance to represent FIFA, and FIFA is the greatest football brand. We still use football as a tool, but mainly as a platform too, to create other things, other concepts. The campus was born from an experience I personally had a long time ago. Do you remember summer camps? The times we spent away from our family, going to places where we didn't know everyone, but we managed to make friends and memories that last a lifetime. This is sort of the same idea. It's aimed at children from underprivileged areas or those from more difficult backgrounds, and we invite them to have their first experience of football. But alongside football, it's life experience, importantly. What can we offer you? But also, what can you give us? And the campus is amazing because it's a place for sharing and fellowship. It's a place for freedom and dreaming. It's not easy because some of the children are orphans. Some children were deported to Armenia due to war. Some children are part of small communities. We try to bring them together in a space where every individual, every child can be themselves and can share a little bit of themselves with others too. What a wonderful week, you know, smiling, happy faces. What was your most memorable moment? All of them. I remember the first day, as you heard, we handed out the equipment. It was an amazing day because those children all come from different neighbourhoods. They don't know each other, so we arranged buses for them to get there. We carried out health checks with the Armenian Ministry of Health. We wanted to be safe with COVID-19 and the restrictions in place. But above all, we wanted them to have a checkup. It's important. These young people don't go to doctors. They don't have the money to do that. basic health checks. Exactly. So we did that on the first day, and then every day we had lunch. That lunch was important. Just think about that moment when you're at the table and you don't know anyone, but you have to attend the lunch. Then you start talking to others, and it's important. Of course, French people like to have lunch, but it is a friendly moment too. Since some of them no longer have a family, it's also a moment for sharing. The foundation brought all the equipment, the shoes, the backpacks, the t-shirts, all of it. And the children didn't react. We were expecting them to go crazy and be happy, but no, there was very little emotion. And that was quite difficult for us. We understand why, though. Ultimately, we had to give them time to understand. That's the importance of the foundation. We really try to understand others. We give them things, give them gifts, but that's not all they want. They want care. What can we give you? So my team and I looked at all of that and we said, it's okay, we will leave them be. We went to the pitch and we started playing, and you know how it goes. As soon as the ball starts rolling with boys on one side and girls on the other, everyone starts playing together. And little by little, we built a relationship. Those young people built this relationship. After three days, they were all united. 
I think it was successful because we saw the children's smiles and that's the most important thing. But, but usually these children don't play with a FIFA World Cup winner. <laughs> I mean, that has to be so exciting for them. I mean, they probably all know you. You have Armenian roots. Yes, of course. That was the icing on the cake. I was there every day. I played with them every day. Ultimately, it was my emotions, the emotions I feel from the foundation and FIFA, that I wanted to pass on to those young people. Ultimately, it was my emotions, the emotions that I feel from the foundation and FIFA, that I wanted to pass on to those young people. This is a new generation. 80% of those children had never played football. 80%! They'd never played. By the end of the campus, all the girls wanted to go to clubs. Boys wanted to go to clubs too. So apart from developing football players, I think we mainly built relationships and spread messages. They need to have mentors. Yes, a world champion is here, but I'm more like their big brother. And the world champion becomes more of a mentor than anything else. The Living Football TV host Jessica Libert's talking to the FIFA World Cup winner and CEO of the FIFA Foundation, Yuri Jorkayev. I'm still joined by Jackie Goetze. Jackie, you know, how important is it for FIFA to keep helping football develop in these smaller nations such as Armenia, where, you know, I suppose like Namibia, the, the systems weren't as professional or set up or the, the structures weren't in place? It's very important. It's extremely important because the smaller the nations are, you will not believe it. Uh, the staff of the governance levels, and it's it's in and, and it's in. I don't mean it in a very negative way, but it's it's more difficult, especially for youth and young kids uh, and women and girls to easily penetrate uh, the areas of, of development. And and therefore, FIFA uh, remains that stronghold for for smaller nations where you have people that are highly motivated self-motivated to start initiatives such as that you know and, and it always starts with someone you know girls and girls and this initiative that you have just shown us now it, it does not just start somewhere somebody has had an idea it's for us to take it on and then hold on to the bigger global vision and and that gives us a lot of motivation at our level no matter how small our 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 population is the, the the goal that you have is not only numbers it's also about the impact of football on society and i think that is where we found our peace that's a very important point as well now well football as we know is coming back to life we're again looking forward as well to some upcoming fifa events like the olympic football tournaments in japan uh, the fifa beach soccer world cup in russia and of course the fifa futsal world cup in september in lithuania it's the first fifa tournament ever to be hosted in the country now the lithuanian football great edgaras jan kaustas the first lithuanian footballer to win the uefa champions league with porto back in 2004 helped to decide the fate of the 24 FIFA Futsal World Cup contenders and host Samantha Johnson had the opportunity to talk to him after the draw ceremony for the tournament took place in Zurich. First of all, it's uh, an honor to be here to represent my country in uh, such a great upcoming event. I know it uh, comes along with great responsibility for us because uh, we have to present our country to the world in uh, welcoming manners. Well, this is going to be the first FIFA tournament for Lithuania. How do you think the country will use this platform? First of all, it's the biggest sports event in uh, my country. So uh, it brings us a lot of responsibility. And um, 
it's a good um, event for the people, people tired from a pandemic situation. So it's a great chance to get out uh, of the homes, to go, to go to nice arenas and to watch that passion on the floor. Yeah, a bit of freedom as well. That's what we all want. We want to actually see some footballing action. Look, you work very closely with the Football Federation. How are the preparations going? There are a lot of people involved uh, 24 hours uh, per seven because um, there's not uh, a lot of time left. Uh, but I'm sure this event will go smoothly because um, people are working really hard to make um, everything at uh, our host uh, comfort okay and with the the tournaments with the world cup coming to lithuania how will this benefit football across all forms it might look that the lithuanians are not uh, very familiar with the futsal but um, it's a game probably when you see it more you like it more and uh, i'm sure a lot of people will uh, remain a fan fans uh, for the rest of their lives after they're gonna see this uh, amazing world cup and finally, what are your expectations for this year? First of all, I expect um, and wish my uh, country to, um, to be successful in the tournament. I know it's a nervous event for them because it's a first-timer, but I'm sure uh, the boys are going to do well. They're for sure going to leave all they have in their tanks on, on the floor. Yeah, Samantha Johnson speaking to the Lithuanian football great Edgaras Jankauskas. Uh, so the hosts, Lithuania, were drawn into Group A. They'll play the opening match of the tournament against fellow debutants Venezuela on the 12th of September. Defending champions Argentina, well, they've been drawn into Group F. They'll begin their campaign against the USA in Vilnius, uh, while record five-time champions Brazil will kick off their bid to win a first round since 2012 against Vietnam in Group D. From the other European teams, the two-time champions Spain will attempt to bring back the title to Europe for the first time since 2004 they were drawn in group e and they'll play their first match in Klaipeda against paraguay portugal will make their debut against thailand and the football union of russia will play egypt in their first match jackie what do you believe the legacy of the the tournament will be in lithuania again it's the first time that the fifa futsal world cup will be taking place in this country surely that is a massive deal for lithuania this is something amazing. It's, it's big. You know, my, my, my best memory of Lithuania is that as small as uh, our population is here in Namibia, that our first female professional players went out to, female players went out to Jindra University, played in the Champions League. Uh, one of them is now playing for Zavellia in, in Spain, Zenata Coleman. So I've got good memories about this country. And, and the moment we spoke about this, that is the first memory that came, that look at those opportunities uh, that are there. And um, I think hosting of competitions ha always, uh, the, the values that it has, the impact it will have on, on that community, not only economically, but socially, um, but then also for the players, the coaches, the love of the game that naturally increases when, when you host this kind of competitions, that's incompatible. I'm, th I'm telling you, you can't compare to anything else uh, we ourselves, as small as we are, we, we hosted the women's AFCON and uh, nobody has ever loved the women's game that much before that and how close people came to the players and realized that this is big. 
So I, I believe, uh, you know, this is futsal, it's world level. It's not even continent level. It, I'm telling you, this is something very important, economically, number one, socially, in the middle of a global pandemic, I'm telling you, this is gonna bring together people to understand the important role that football plays. And now that it actually looks at uh, the level that, uh, you know, the groups, and the age groups and the level that it targets, uh, this is something big and uh, they, it gives them an opportunity to, 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 to take and you know, put Ljubljana out there and, and, and say, this is what we stand for. This is what we, this is how we do our football and how this can actually truly then serve the global strategy of FIFA in terms of taking football and, and to the people and then also taking people to the football world. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a big thing especially at a difficult time like this globally, I think hosting of competition not only helps you, your team to compete, your players to get the exposure they need, but it is what sentimental values that, that speaks directly to, to what the world goes through now. Yeah, absolutely. And so well put there, Jackie, as well, particularly in the, the times that we're living in. And, you know, I want to ask you, you know, when you were in Namibia growing up, you, you talked about how you had to play with the boys. Um, who would you say was your biggest influence growing up then? I should be very honest with you. I had a half brother who pretended to be a teacher all the time at home. He would always teach us. <laughs> he would always you around. Play. Because, yeah, because uh, his father that I grew up with was a, was a teacher by profession. He was a very strict teacher. So he would always copy what his father does when they leave us alone at home, like counting, uh, playing cards, you know, some card games. If we don't succeed, then we have to stretch our hands out and he will beat us or a ruler or something. And that is what happens when we have to tap balls, for instance, uh, you know, and there were those funny balls that we had in the villages where I grew up. And uh, I have to tap a ball, juggle a ball. And at the age of 11, I could juggle up to 120. And I'm just thinking if I was all on my own, I would have never done that because this teacher was so strict. So I believe he's been very influential at a young age to show me something that I still have today. The practice makes perfect. You have to repeatedly do something to become better. That is one thing. And of course, as I grow up, there are a lot of people out there, they're not necessarily in football, but uh, teachers that has a great influence on me that would, when the one person would say, ah, oh, this girl must stop playing with the boys. The other one will say, but she's better than them. You understand? There's always that, that teacher that will say, what's well, nothing wrong? She's just doing better than them. So that those few words from, from key teachers at, at high school played an important role. Of course, when I came to the city, I met great friends like Jackie and some other friends that were playing softball, like I said, they did netball, they did hockey. And so there are a lot of influences from, from, from high school teachers. And then of course, my, my half brother, that played a major role to say that you were very good, you need to continue with this. It's absolutely fantastic. And I love how sort of you were sort of into multi-sports as well, hockey, netball, but also juggling. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a life skill in itself. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jackie, you, you are... A, such an influential woman, so multi-talented and so passionate as well. It's been so wonderful speaking to you and hearing about all the initiatives and all the contributions that you've made, which I'm sure will leave a legacy for many, many years to come. Thank you so much for joining us 
this week well that's just about all (laughs) thank you jackie that is just about all for the podcast this week thank you very much for listening please subscribe rate and review the show via your favorite podcast provider and make sure you join us next time as we continue to take you behind the scenes at fifa remember to head to fifa.com to watch the living football tv show and if you like your music you can tune into the play on podcast as well but until next time from myself and from jackie it is goodbye 